Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. I come to you today with very good news. You ready for it? The trials that you are experiencing can be a work of the Holy Spirit himself. In fact, the trials that you face now might be exactly how God prepares you for what comes next. Uh, That should hearten you. I don't need to tell you that life can be very hard. Sometimes even harder once you've committed your life to Jesus and have begun to apprentice under him as your master. Or perhaps I do need to remind you of that. I shouldn't actually assume anything. We forget that, don't we? Thank you, Amanda. Is there anyone who's facing a particular challenge right now? Have you been traveling in a wilderness maybe the last few months? Well, maybe the last few years? In this master class through Luke, we've been using the idea of apprenticing, of apprenticeship, as a way of understanding, as a way of thinking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, what it means to be a follower of him, where we're learning from him, we're growing like him, we're receiving his teaching, not as something we store in our heads for trivia night, but something that we then put into practice in our lives. Being an apprentice of Jesus is not about getting everything perfect. It's about learning from the master so that we become more like him in character and more competent in his kingdom trade. And that's what we've been doing through these Luke master classes. That's the goal catching up some of what we've been seeing the last few weeks as growing apprentices of Jesus, we know that we are children of the Father. We know that we have been filled with the Holy Spirit and we're taking seriously God's growth plan for us so so that we are growing more and more into the character, into the image of Jesus. Now, if you've been around the last little bit, you know that we were using Luke 2.52 as a kind of framework, working to put Jesus' example into practice somehow by instilling certain habits, certain intentional ways of, of engaging the life and teaching of Jesus in particularly four areas. Now, I know that those of you who traveled through can probably already quote Luke 2.52, right? Right? And Jesus grew in... Wisdom and stature and in favor with God and people, man, others. That's right. 
And so as apprentices, we've been being really intentional about growing in wisdom by immersing ourselves in the scriptures, which means, uh, immersing can sound intimidating, but what it means is wherever I am at in terms of my knowledge and engagement in the scriptures, maybe I've never read it before, or maybe I'm, I'm pretty deep into it. Wherever you at is fine. It's the question is, what's my next step to become more immersed, more engaged in scripture so that we're growing in wisdom? We also looked at how growing in stature is key so that we're implementing in our lives care for God's temple through healthy diet and exercise, taking seriously that call. Also growing in favor with God by simply spending more time with the Father, listening to his voice, attending to his ways, just like Jesus did. And then growing in favor with people, allowing the Holy Spirit to probe and convict and reveal areas in our lives where our relationships need to grow. Areas in our own hearts where I need to come uh, to grips with some emotional immaturity or some struggle or, or part of my family history or whatever we need, the Holy Spirit can lead us to be more fruitful and more flourishing in our relationships. So those four areas we've been working through, that's a little bit of a reminder, but also to catch up this, because if we thought that all this growth, all this vitality, all this intentionality, all this favored identity, knowing that the Father delights in us, all this spirit power, knowing that we're being led by the Spirit and children of God, if we thought that meant that life now would be just smooth sailing, we need to think again. Or actually, more to the point, we need to look again to the master Jesus because as we follow Jesus' story, we can see very quickly that smooth sailing is not what's ahead for him. Rough waters lie ahead. Difficult trials are coming. Seasons of deprivation will test him. They will test us, in fact, as we've never been tested before. So growing as apprentices of Jesus doesn't exempt us from trials and suffering. In fact, it guarantees them. Do I need to say that again? I do. I think I want you to hear this. Growing as apprentices of Jesus does not exempt us from trial and suffering. In fact, it guarantees them. But apprenticing to Jesus and growing like him does mean that we can engage those trials and that suffering in a whole new way. We can do it as his kids. We can do it as his apprentices. We can follow the example of our master Jesus and find that in the trials, the Holy Spirit is at work, is leading us, is making us stronger in Christ, is growing us in his character, is making us more competent in his kingdom trade, we are able to walk more and more in step with the Holy Spirit in the very trials that we are in. That's why I can say the good news to you is that the trials you're facing can be, in fact, will be the means with which God grows you. So, are you facing a trial that seems daunting? You don't need to answer that out loud. Just, are you facing a trial that seems daunting? Has your following of Jesus landed you in hot water? Is your commitment to grow in Christ causing friction in your marriage? Friction in your friendships? Has your choice to implement the example of Jesus in your life created resistance in your own heart that you didn't foresee? 
Well, take heart, you're in good company. In fact, when you're facing your most difficult trial, you're in the company of Jesus himself. Today, we are going to start Luke chapter 4. And once again, I encourage you to bring a Bible to church. It can be a physical Bible. You know, remember those, the paper, they open. And then, and then there's also something you can download on your phone, the Uversion app, which is also great. Um, there's a few Bibles scattered throughout the, the chairs, and you're welcome to use one of those. And those of you who have joined us online, particularly in the Sunday morning live stream on your right-hand side of your screen, you'll see a number of options. One of them, there's a Bible tab. You can click on that and look up Luke chapter 4. Now, if you're new to Bible reading and you want to purchase a Bible, it's time to buy something, or, or, you know, or maybe the version you've had is, let's be honest, it was translated hundreds of years ago. Um, let me know, and I'll help you pick one, okay? Because with a little guidance, you can get the, the right, right translation. Um, I think lots of translations are great, but the New International Version is a great starter translation. It's a great solid translation. It's the one I'll be using the most often. Seasoned Bible readers, the further you get into it, will use multiple translations because it helps us read better, especially when we don't know the original languages. But the NIV, the New International Version, is great to start with. But if you need some guidance, let me know because I want you reading the Bible. Okay, let's start. Chapter, chapter 4. So Jesus uh, is still dripping wet from the Jordan, being baptized by John. He still has the words of the Father ringing in his ears. You're my son. Uh, you're the one I love. You're the one I delight in. You're the one I chose. He still feels the featherweight of the Holy Spirit resting on his shoulders. What a moment that must have been, hey? Coming up out of the water, coming up out of the Jordan. What's next, right? I'm going to get on with the work of the Father, right? Well, not quite yet. In fact, there's a little bit more that the Father and the Spirit want to do for Jesus before he gets into his healing and teaching ministry. And so even though John has been baptizing people quite literally in the middle of nowhere, the Holy Spirit now takes Jesus even further out in the wilderness. Verse 1 and 2 of chapter 4, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted or tested by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. After 40 days, at the very point of hunger and exhaustion, Jesus engages the most epic battle with the devil himself, a battle that we're going to get into in the weeks ahead. But for today, we need to address this opening because there's an important truth here that all apprentices of Jesus need to understand. And it's found in the little phrase, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, which means that Jesus did not stumble into the wilderness by chance. He did not turn to the right when he should have turned to the left. Jesus was not dragging his heels and he wasn't distracted from his father's mission. No, we're told really clearly, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, firm in his father's identity, his identity as the son of the father, was led by the spirit into that place of lonely desolation, into that empty wilderness. And he was surrounded by, well, nothing at all. He was on his own for 40 days with nothing but his father and the spirit. And the, at the end of which, I love the statement, he was hungry. 
He was weak. And it was at that moment that he did battle with the evil one. Well, what do we make of this? Now, as people who are increasingly immersed in the biblical narrative, we're meant, even in these couple of verses, to catch some serious echoes from the backstory of God's people. What are some of those echoes? Shout them out. 40 days. days, Thank you. Echoing? 40 years. years, That's right. What else? The wilderness. That's right. Pretty dominant in the story of God's people, the wilderness. What else? The Holy Spirit being led by God. Absolutely. The children of Israel were led by pillar, you know, pillar of fire at night, pillar of cloud during the day. God was leading them through. What else? 40 days of rain. Yeah, and 40 days of rain. That's right. Through the judgment passage in, in, in Noah, 40 days of rain. That's good. Yeah, what else? So a theme of 40 days, that shows up quite a bit. Hungry. Hungry. Thank you. Hungry in the wilderness because God's people, you might remember, had a number of cases where they were hungry and God fed them. What else? It does maybe imply that. We probably shouldn't think that, Cameron, but I hear you. It, it you know, primarily focuses on the food side, right? Um, yeah, I, I say that out of care because people can fast for 40 days, but you cannot go without drinking for 40 days. Don't do it. Um, there's also a theme of being tested. Being tested. We've heard this before. The wilderness wanderings of God's people. They were rescued out of Egypt. They were (coughs) baptized through the Red Sea, emerged as the children of God, with God as their father. You can read this story in Exodus and in Numbers. But due to their failure to overcome the trials they faced, Instead of trusting Yahweh, they murmured and complained and resisted. Because of that, and then eventually their resistance and failure to to go into the land a few months later, they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, led by God, yes, but wandering 40 years nonetheless until every one of that generation had died and then God could bring in the next generation into the promised land. Now, you heard what Amanda read earlier uh, from Deuteronomy 8. Uh, those words were spoken to that next generation. Mom and dad were all dead. They are the ones now going into the promised land. Just before they went in, they're being reminded. But, but that, that it captures all the echoes that we want to hear today in this story. So I just want to read part of it again. I just want to read uh, verses two and three. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. I mean, do you hear it? to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And yes, that's one of the scriptures that Jesus is going to quote in his battle with the evil one, but that comes next week. What's going on here? Why all this similarity between the wanderings of God's people so many years before and Jesus now? Well, do you remember how last week we saw how Jesus represented all of Israel even as he was then being baptized in the water? Well, this theme continues. 
Jesus continues to represent Israel. The Holy Spirit leads Jesus to symbolically retrace, as it were, the steps or the experience of Israel through the wilderness, 40 days to match the 40 years, enduring hunger and isolation and exhaustion just like they did. And yet, unlike the Israelites who failed to keep covenant, Jesus goes out there and he succeeds where they failed. Jesus will be tested to the very limit and prove himself true and faithful. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And we'll see more detail on that in the weeks to come. But for today, there's just two things I want you to hear. I want to invite you to see. The first is I want to invite you to see Jesus here. To see Jesus led by the Holy Spirit who goes into the place of our failure and succeeds on our behalf. In this moment, we need to see that Jesus was experiencing trial for our good. He was enduring a testing for our benefit. This is the whole good news story of Jesus, that he succeeds for us, that he triumphs where we fail. And what that means is that there's no trial or temptation or difficulty that we face that Jesus has not already overcome for us. Success and failure does not suddenly depend all on us. No, the good news is that Jesus has already endured ultimate trial and succeeded for us, for you. And this is true of the smallest trials we face on a daily level, like not trying try not to yell at that kid. You know that kid? You know which one I'm talking about? Oh, yes, you do. Um, that one. Or a larger or more regular uh, tr- temptation that we might struggle with, an addiction or, or something that we wrestle with on a continual basis, something in our heart, in our, in our relationship. Or maybe that very biggest test of faith that you're facing right now, that overwhelming thing that you named already, or perhaps even life and death itself. All of these trials have been faced and overcome by Jesus and for us. This is critical. We need to see Jesus. We need to see that in Jesus, the Messiah, the victory has already been won over evil, over weakness, over exhaustion, over the devil, over the trial. And so the very first thing for us is to see Jesus in this story and to praise him and worship him and thank him, to focus on the person of Jesus who did this for me, who did this for you, and let his victory in this trial shape our engagement in trial, to even shape our mindset, to let his triumph form our praise, fill our hearts and minds. It's critical for us that we sit with Jesus, that we see and fix our minds upon his victory. He was led by the Holy Spirit, not only into this wilderness, but then in the days ahead in his life, through his ministry, healing the sick, teaching of the kingdom, proclaiming the good news, and then going to the cross, going to his death, going to the ultimate trial, of hanging there for you and I and then through to resurrection. He was led through the darkest of trials for us. 
And so we pause. We do. We just pause right now and say, Lord Jesus, thank you. We praise you for being the one who is victorious over trial. The one who is tested and found true. Thank you for doing that for us. But second, I want you to see that as apprentices of Jesus, who are led by the Holy Spirit, that we will be led into places of trial too. By the Spirit, we will be led into places where we are tested, where we can join in the faithfulness of Jesus and succeed in his power. That just as the trials Jesus faced were for our good, we discover that the Holy Spirit will lead us into trials that are for our good too. Now, I know that's hard sometimes to see, hard to imagine, that all trials can be for our good. Even my trial, you don't know what I'm going through, right? Some of you are wanting the little exception right now. I'm going to let some of you off the hook, right? Because if I really knew what was going on in your life, you would say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so glib and say that, that, that it, it can be for your good. Does anyone, anyone want to be left off the hook right now? No, you don't. This is the best news you've ever heard. That even in the worst, darkest trial, God will work it for your good that every single difficulty, that every moment of grief and loss, that every sad thing, that every struggle that is ongoing, everything that you can name that is hard, that feels impossible, everything can be for your good. Now we see that all over the Bible. As you immerse yourself in scripture, one of the ways you will grow in wisdom is that you will, be, you will begin to see how God is at work through all of these things, through the history of his people, bringing it all to climax in Jesus, through Jesus, and then out by the spirit, through the world, how it's all being worked together for good. But of course, there is that verse in Romans eight twenty eight where we're given this marvelous promise that God actually does that. He actually works all things out for good. Some of you have this verse memorized. It is a great one to memorize if you haven't. In Romans 8, Paul has actually talked right at that moment about how we suffer and we groan. And in our weakness, when we don't know what to do, he highlights the beautiful role that the Holy Spirit plays as he intercedes for us with groanings. He joins us in our groanings and how that's part of his work in us. And then we read Romans 8, 28, and I quote, and we know that all things God works for the good of those in all things. I missed that little word. I'm going to repeat that. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Let me read that again. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. All things. How many things? all things. That means, my friends, that God will grow us through any trial. He is willing to lead us in the footsteps of Jesus so that by the Spirit, no thing goes to waste in our lives. That all can be caught up, will be caught up, and used for our good. We have to remember, if God can use the suffering of Jesus Christ, the innocent, perfect man, the son of God, if he can use his sufferings, both here in the wilderness, but then ultimately on the cross, 
If he can use that not only for our good, but for the good of the whole world to literally reset creation so that it's now heading toward new creation. If God can do that through this evil, the evil that was poured out on Jesus, don't you think he can use our trials for our good too? Yeah, he can and he will. He promises to. And over the next three weeks, we'll be guided through these temptations of Jesus. And we're going to have an opportunity to let the Holy Spirit lead us along with Jesus deeper into his will and his good for us each step of the way, no matter what trial you are facing without exception. So for today, let me ask you this again, privately to yourself. Name the trial that you're facing internally. Name the struggle that you're in the middle of right now, the thing that feels impossible, the thing that bugs you, the thing that keeps you up at night. What's the test you're enduring? I hope you can all name it right now. I don't know what it is. It could be a medical diagnosis. It could be a relationship in a family. It could be something going on in your marriage. It could be mental illness. It could be uh, financial difficulty. I, I don't know what it is, but I want you to name that right now internally. And then I want you to ask this question. How has the Holy Spirit led me into this trial? How has the Holy Spirit led me here? How can I face this trial knowing that Jesus has already succeeded for me and is going to guide me through this for my good? For your good. You might also want to ask uh, this at a broader level. There is the option, I hope, that you can bring the particular trial or impossibility or struggle to bring that to the Lord and let him reveal to you how he is going to lead you or is leading you in that trial. But there's also an opportunity here for us to ask, what trials are we facing at a larger level as followers of Jesus? What temptations or testings are happening for the church of Jesus? Our church right here. But our brothers and sisters at a global level, at a national level. What are the trials and difficulties that we might be facing now? And how might we be led by the Holy Spirit through those trials for our good. I name this because there is the personal things going on in our lives, and I, I just really want you to be able to engage those um, and pray through those and let the Holy Spirit lead you through those. But I also know that we're, many of us are very aware that there's, there's trials occurring, temptations, testings happening at a cultural, ideological, theological level. 
where it can feel like we're being bombarded, challenged, torn down. How might that be something the Holy Spirit will use for our good? Also a powerful question to ask, to pray through. And so, with your temptation or trial or testing in mind, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. You can just pray along with me silently, but I'd like to lead you in a a prayer of submission as you consider the trial that you're facing. And so, I invite you to pray with me. I'm gonna gonna pray through this prayer slowly um, and ask that you would... Join me in it in heart and in mind. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you know the trial that I am facing. I want to thank you for facing the ultimate trial for me already. so that the trial I face now cannot break me. You have already succeeded on my behalf, and I praise you for that. But this trial I am facing still feels huge to me with so much at stake. Lord, please show me how you are leading in this. Help me follow you as the Spirit leads so that I can experience your faithfulness, so that I can learn from your example so that I can grow stronger in you through it. Lord, you promised to work all things out for the good of those who love you. I love you. And I submit to your leadership through this trial. Do in me what you will for my good and for your glory. Amen. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.